Well, good morning, everybody. How are we doing? Man, I'm so glad to see all of you. And if you're watching online because you have COVID, I'm so sorry that you're home. But thank you for joining us. Uh, it has been a COVID season, apparently. Everyone seems to have it. So uh, just so grateful that, uh, for your online presence. Let us know that you're watching. Give us a what's up and a hey in the chat comments of whatever, if you're on YouTube or Twitch or Facebook Live. We'd love to connect with you there. Now, uh, if you're new, um, one of the things I want you to know is that we do questions. There's nothing out of bounds. You can ask them, any, ask any question, and we're going to answer it on Pastor Plex podcast, which is a fun, exciting time. We went from tens of listeners now to hundreds. We literally have like literally hundreds of downloads uh, a week, uh, 206, but whatever. Uh, you know, we went from tens. There, you know, we used to be like 20, so it's really exciting kind of see that, but we're answering all your questions there, and we had a flurry of questions last week, so keep them coming, and if we don't get them, get them answered in the, the next episode, we'll get them answered in the following episode. We're lo- really looking forward to answering all of those as we've been talking about a lot of different things from, well, you have to go listen. I don't want to give it away. Yeah, because yeah, it, it, yeah, it's exciting. Okay, all right, so if you're, but if you're like, hey, well, what are you guys talking about this morning? Well, what we're talking about that you can ask questions about uh, is the Imago Day, to which uh, we've, been, we've learned is Latin for image of God, and we want us to really be representative of the imagers that God made us to be. And so, in fact, the first two weeks we talked about God made us as imagers of him, which means we had an inherent value and purpose, that we were supposed to be his representatives on the planet to sort of tag the earth with saying, this is my planet, this is mine, this is my people, this is my animals, this is all mine, this is my territory, and we represent his rule and reign. And we were supposed to rule the earth by proxy, all right? So that meant like he, he stepped into managerial role after the six days of hard labor, and then he uh, put us in charge of the whole deal. And then what happened is that we rebelled, and that was bad news for us. And so what happened is that we rebelled, and there's this thing in us that is we're now born with this natural rebellion towards God, and we want to do our, things our way. And that's why we are cruel to people. That's why you're, you have marriage issues, and you're like, I know, she's been rebelling against God for a No, both of you, both of you have been rebelling against what God has for you because there's something in the darkness of your heart that says, I want what I want when I want it, and you better get on board with me. And then, so this morning we're going to talk about the reality of the brokenness that we're in. And um, I know that many of you think that, like, as pastors, pastors aren't broken. I was trying to think of a story, like, recently that sort of show off my brokenness. Uh, and, and it wasn't hard to think of any, actually. Uh, so um, recently I went golfing with uh, Pastor Grayson and then Nathan Blick. You guys know who those two people are? Nathan's right here. Hey, Nathan. And we went golf, and we were on this really, really narrow uh, fairway, okay? It was, like, way too narrow, all right, narrow, which meant every time you hit the ball, you hit it, and you lost your ball, okay? That's just what happened. You, we, we, I was prepared with Nathan's balls to lose as many as he would give me, and uh, it was a, an exciting time. And so what, what happened, though, is you had to be aware, since you were going to lose sending ball, so many balls, you were looking to find balls, all right? So... I would look along the grass, and I'd find a couple balls. It was very exciting for me. And then on this one, at one tee, I drilled it, slice kicked in, and it went to another fairway somewhere far off. But I looked down the, the fairway, and there was another ball just sitting there waiting to be hit. 
So I promptly went up to the ball. I was like, well, this must be the Lord's favor. And I just took, and I drilled it, and it was straight, and it was perfect, like just a, just a, just a little bit away from the green. And after I hit it, this guy comes trotting up over, like, the, the rough area. He goes, hey, hey, guys, hey, guys, have you guys seen a ball roll over here? And I go, no, nah, I haven't seen any balls rolling. <laughs> nope, no idea what you're talking about. And he goes, really? I just, I just hit it. It just, it, it just it must have come right around over here. I just, you know. And I go, well, there was a ball here, but it was not rolling. And, um, and he goes, well, it was like a Titus 2 or a Titleist 2. And I was like, oh, yeah, it might have been a Titleist 2. It was a Titleist 2 for sure. And then, of course, as I'm him hawing around it, Grayson gets up, runs over, grabs the ball, says, hey, one of our guys hit it. He didn't, like, sell me out, which was nice. Uh, and then he said, but we hit it from right over there. You can just go ahead and play it from there. No problem. We can keep moving. And I was, and the reality of it is, like, I should have done that, but I don't know what happened. It was like, I didn't, I didn't want anyone to think I hit their ball. I, I, like, because that's just, like, bad golf etiquette. And I didn't want to be the guy that was, like, you know, weird about, golfing because I'm like a professional I, no granted I haven't it's been a while since I've golfed but you know and there's this something in me that was so afraid that that guy would reject me I don't know like I, you know like he would think badly of me like oh my gosh you hit my ball whereas you know I've been hitting several balls out of the rough that was totally okay but the one on the fairway that was a problem and I think what is inside me is this fear that someone is going to think less of me someone's going to reject me even if it's a guy I, I'll, I don't even know I can't even tell you what the guy looked like but something inside me sort of like feared in the moment, and I sort of caved into that and was like him hawing around like, hey, here's your ball. Yeah, I hit it. And I think that's what we do because we, in our brokenness, we exhibit our brokenness when we experience rejection, whether it's the, the actual rejection or perhaps the fear of rejection, which is why a lot of you guys don't ask girls out because you're just afraid of being rejected, which is fair because you probably will be. But the reality is you need to do that because that's part of being a grown-up. Okay, that's just FYI. That's part of it. And, and so what happens is when we live in this fear of rejection, we do silly things. We make excuses. We make up little stories. And that's, that's probably why you... It's not that you're a liar. It's just that you just don't want to look bad. Or, okay, or this, or experience our brokenness. It's not just on, um, on the links. But it's also we experience our uh, brokenness when we experience comparison. When we look around, all the other people, how, how, how way prettier their Instagram filters are, or uh, when we look at like, how much money someone has, or the, the car they drive, or the house they live in, or, or reverse that, we're like, oh, can you believe that? They have to have those things to appease their immasculinity because clearly uh, they don't like to shop, shop at Goodwill. All right, so the reality is we can kind of go both ways on that judgment and just like, how, look how spiritual I am and how the rest of everybody isn't. And we have this materialistic thing that really drives us in doing that. And that's when our brokenness shows. And we can get angry in our comparison. Or what about this? It's, or, I use discipline, and whenever I say discipline, people are trying to figure out what I mean. I mean, like, when, when God is working on you. Does anybody have a God work on them? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like you are in the moment, and the Lord is working on you, and like, mm! and then you've said this. But it's not true, okay? You've said God is punishing me. And did you know that God doesn't punish? You know who he did punish? 
Jesus, right? Now, granted, the wrath of God is still waiting for those who don't believe in Jesus. But if you are a Christian, you don't experience God's punishment. You experience God's discipline because God's disip- God disciplines those he loves. And what child, who is, what child who is loved by his father isn't disciplined? We all know that. But I think what happens in the discipline, we start doing all sorts of like um, machine gun blaming people. It's not my fault. And it's all there. And so we are going to find somebody that the fault of our misery or our pain, whose actual fault it really is. And we, what happens in our discipline, we don't run to Jesus. We run from him. And the whole point is that everybody knows that you are broken people. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. In other words, if we say we have no sin, we are self-deceived. And I think a lot of us wander around being like, I'm good. And then what we're saying is we don't want any discipline from anybody because I do what I want when I want when I want with who I want because that's how I do it. Okay, so we're going to get into the brokenness and how God can even redeem us where we're at. And we're going to be in Genesis chapter 4. All right, so this is going to be a fun story, and I'm, I'm excited for you to really get to know, maybe this is part, usually people stop reading Genesis around chapter 3, but chapter 4 is where it gets really exciting, so this is going to be fun. All right, you guys ready for this? We're going to pray, ask God to bless the reading of his word, and then we're going to get right into it. Father, thank you that you are in complete control, uh, that you are sovereign, that you are that you know all things, and even in our brokenness, you've got a plan for it. Even before uh, we were ever broken, you had a plan. You've always had a plan. You know what's going on. And our fears of the way that somebody might reject us, compare us, or you might, that you might discipline us, all rest upon the fact that we don't really believe that you're good and that you're in control. And so, Lord, for just for a moment, can we just rest our hearts at your feet as we come before your word to hear from you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. all right, amen. All right, Genesis chapter 4, we're going to start at verse 1. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one, a black hardback one, somewhere around in the seat in front of you, and you can have that. That's our gift to you. All right, Genesis 4, look at verse 1. Now, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and we're talking the biblical new. And so what happens when you do the biblical knowing of your wife, she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man, which uh, that's just an interesting way of putting that. I've gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now, watch this. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain was a worker of the ground. Usually, any time that Bible names are referenced, you always maintain the proper order. Do you guys know this? So Cain was first, then Abel. But then there's this weird reversal. And it could have been just like, I don't want to repeat myself, Cain, Abel, Cain, Abel. No, they, they always do a weird thing with the, um, the, the order. But you're going to see that Abel is a keeper of sheep and Cain is a worker of the ground. And when he flips their order, that means something. So anytime you see the non-firstborn son listed first, it's a big deal because it flips the script on the way that life was supposed to go. And this is, you've seen this with uh, Jacob and Esau. Uh, you, you see this with David and his brothers. Uh, you, say, you see this all over the place. Joseph would be another one of those guys that he was like, 
uh, what, number 11, right? And he gets the, he gets the, the priority and he gets the firstborn sonness. And so this is a big deal. So anytime you see it, take note of when the order is flipped because that means that God's going to do something, okay? All right. Verse 3, in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. So at some point, uh, God told them, hey, it's, you guys need to, you know, I've done so much for you. Now bring a portion back to me. And so Cain brings his. And then Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And this is distinct. Now watch this. You see this. The firstborn of his flock, that means the very best, the, the very first. It's a risk when you give the firstborn because you don't know what, if there's any more born to come after that. And then of the fat portions, that was in, in priestly time, the fat portions, that's not where you're like, oh, I can't eat that. I cut that off. That's grizzled. No, that was the tasty part that when you were like not eating McDonald's all the time, you could totally enjoy that. And that was the best tasting and the most flavorful. And really you needed that fat. Okay. So this is the, he gives the very best. And we kind of see that the Cain brought an offering and there's a comparison issue here. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, okay? But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. Now, we're not brought into the story of like how they were supposed to know what to bring, but they clearly knew, okay? So Cain was very angry and his face fell. Notice he doesn't fall on his face before God be like, oh, my bad. He, go, he, his, he gets angry that the Lord has rejected his offering. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? Now, I want you to see this. This is important. Because what God's doing is not rejecting Cain. He's rejecting that offering. In other words, God rejects broken offerings, not broken people. God rejects broken offerings, not broken people. Okay, um, so I have four children, and whenever they entered into the family... Uh, there was an expectation that they would jack it up. I don't know if you get, meaning they would poop themselves uh, and they'd put it all over the place. In fact, uh, yesterday, Paxton, my youngest, like literally ripped my mom's earring off her ear. I mean, it was just like rip that thing off. And, and there wasn't like, well, listen, uh, you lost the diamond. Um, you know, Mima's going to need some surgery. And so what's going to happen here is you are going to, we're going to put you in some hard labor camps and when you pay this thing off, we're good to go. No, he's two, right? He's two, and he's a member of the family, even when he does really painful and really ridiculous things. Uh, and so that's the reality. Parents reject a broken behavior, but not a broken kid. Do you guys, amen? Can I get an amen to that? All right. In other words, what I want my sons to know, I'm in love with you, not what you do. I'm in love with you, not just what you do. Now, what that means for us is, and I think this is important because a lot of us, um, we bring broken things to God all the time. In that, and you feel convicted about it. You've brought broken worship to God. You've, you've had something against someone else. You came to church, we're like, yeah, Jesus, what's up? And you were, you know, faking the funk, and you were kind of going for it. And the whole time, you're like, I should have done that thing for that person. I should have done that thing for the person. And you know God's word that says if, you have, if there's something wrong with you and your brother, go and make it right before you go and worship the Lord, right? God rejects broken worship, not broken worshipers. Uh, God rejects broken service, not broken service. You've served in children's ministry angry before. You're like, oh, my God, I can't. I don't, 
That's why I don't have kids right here. That's why. And your heart wasn't like, I get to serve the Lord. There's a single mom somewhere in the congregation loving Jesus right now, getting to hear the word of God because I am serving God's people and he loves this kid and this is an imager of God and I'm going to spend time with this one. He may rip an earring off, but I'm going to enjoy it. Uh, he rejects broken, ser- broken service, not servants. Or how about this? You're like, I'm going to, oh, they're talking about money again. There it is. I don't, don't you talk about that money, right? And so you've given, and you've given like, this is like, that's why one of the reasons we don't do offering plates, because we just don't want people angry putting a 20 in there or something, right? Put, you know, or if you're a college student, putting your chicken nuggets in there, like, fine, you can keep that. <laughs> like, like, God rejects broken giving, not broken givers, okay? We've all jacked this up. Or, or how about this last, just get it to everything. God rejects broken actions, not broken actors, okay? We... We have a whole lot of brokenness that God's not happy with. But the reality is, just like we love our children, we don't. Our love isn't based on what they do. Our love is based on our love for them because they're our kids. And so I, I feel like this is, this is huge. And just let me just do a quick parenting note here, right? Um, whenever you're having discipline issues, what's hard is that I can, there's, for me, I can discipline out of anger after all the screaming, okay? And all the, he took my and he hit me, and, he, and all of that, okay? Uh, there's a part of me that can, can got, get fired up, and then the condition of my heart is broken, and then I discipline out of anger, and that makes angry kids. But then if I can love, and I can do this well, and my hope in my heart is that I can do this well. Um, my second son, Jet, uh, recently, uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, his last game, football game of the season, he caught an interception, and it was like a glorious moment. It, it was like, you know, the ball didn't hit him in the face. You know, it was like, yes, and he caught it, and he ran it back. And after that, he couldn't have been more proud of himself. And I, I said, I am so proud of you. you. You caught it. You ran it. You knew what to do on the field. You're a six-year-old. How amazing is this, okay? And then after that, on the way home, I said, hey, I just want to remind you of something. Like, I would still love you if that ball did drill you in the face. If, if you didn't even, if it, like, you didn't even know, if you were picking dandelions and doing a little frolic out in the grass, which he has done a couple times during games, uh, that's totally cool, too. I want you to know that my love for you is not based on what you do. I love you, not what you do, and that won't ever change. And there's this reminder, right, because I think what happens, and th- I don't want to go down too far a road of parenting I, or your own personal issues, but maybe it was you were told, great job but you're only told great job and I love you when you did great things. And so your whole life has been like, I'm your Pavlov's dog. You're going you're gonna to go because you want to get the treat. And the reality is you didn't know you were loved, not because of what you do, because of who you are. And this becomes important to understand your brokenness because you can kind of be okay with the fact that you're not going to get it right. You're not going to try and defend yourself all the time because, duh, you're broken. You're going to sin. You're going to sin. You're going to mess it up. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Watch this. Verse 7. Back to God talking to Cain. If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. So here it is. Watch this. If you do well, there's blessing. Did you guys know that? But if you don't do well, 
And here's the part. It's the, the not doing well is I'm not satisfied with what God has given me. I say, God, you know, listen, you've handed out all these gifts. Clearly, you must have forgot something in the back room when you were doing the gift giving because I'm lacking something. I'm looking at everybody else. They got their thing, their job, their family, their, you name the thing. What happened to me? And then that's the part where you don't do well. You're not accepting what Jesus has already given you. And so then sin crouches at the door. When you don't do well, that's when the, the sin battle starts. Because you already knew the right thing is, which is trust the Lord. And I love this next line. In fact, I remember and I was reading the Good News Bible as a little kid, and this one really just kind of stuck with me. And it was, it was this. So the, the, sir, or the, the verse in the Good News Bible goes, it desires to master you, but you must master it. Or ESV, almost as good. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. So when that moment comes, because you all, everybody makes bad decisions, everybody in here, because you know you're going to do that, you're going to battle with sin. And now it's what you do when you've made the bad decision. Are you going to run towards Jesus or are you going to run away? Are you going to run towards the family of God or are you going to isolate? Are you going to say stuff like those people, the church, and kind of put like, you know, that label because you know what they're going to say. They found out about what you did. Or are you going to run to the only place that has hope and mercy and grace that doesn't wink at sin, but at the same time understands we're all sinners? Watch this. Cain, in the moment, he now has the opportunity to not have sin rule him. He must master it. But he, so he goes and he speaks to his brother Abel. And you're like, oh, great job. He's going to go talk to him, talk it over. It's going to be great. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. So we got like Lord of the Flies already in Genesis 4. Like I just see Piggy going down right here. Like this is the moment, right? And, and you're like, what? Like you just literally talked to God. I mean, you, if you... Have you ever had a moment where you literally, the Lord just like spoke in your heart and like, nah, I don't care. And here it is. Nah, I'm good. And here it is. Broken people break people. Or what we say around here all the time is hurt people hurt people. Broken people break people. And, and we all know this. Okay, listen. I, I've been doing this kind of thing since I was in the first grade. Here it was. All right, I, had a, I had a friend named Andy McDonald, and he was kind of the funny class clown type guy, and he always wanted to impress Andy, okay? And I was in first grade. And then I had another friend named Adrian, not Adrian, my wife, but Adrian Wilson, another girl, all right? And so I was friends with Adrian. She had like a three-wheeler or four, was it a three-wheeler? Something. She had something fun you could ride on. And we would go, and we'd go riding through the woods. It was so cool, and we were friends. And then I think Andy felt um, jealous, right? And so there we were in the cafeteria before school started, first grade. I'm checking out the little ninja magazines. You guys remember these? Oh, sorry, I'm dating myself. Back in the day, we had these old things like you had ninja magazines. You'd pick out all the weapons you would get one day. That's what you did. In that. And during that time, Andy goes, hey, Chris, you, you going to get married to Adrian? I'm like, no. Like, you know, like, is that your girlfriend? I'm like, no. And then all of a sudden, I felt humiliated. So I had to take Adrian down. She had to go down. Like, there, there's just, I had to, like, you know, like, listen, my first grade rep was on the line. And so when I went to class, it was, we were in math class, and we were doing math problems on the board, and you had to choose someone to, to you know, check your answers and give it a check plus. You know, and because we were so tight, she always chose me, and I go, I'll show her. And I went and changed her answer to be wrong, and then she like looked, it was like the ultimate form of betrayal. And I was like, hey, it happens. 
And we never talked after that moment. That was it. Moved on. And you're like, Chris, that was first grade. No, first grade drama becomes mid-20s drama. Can, I, can, we just, can, can I just be honest? All right, come on. I mean, listen, you do the same thing because you're worried about someone might see you with somebody. And, you know, it morphed. In, obviously, middle school was a big time for that, high school. But mid-20s, you're there. None of that stuff changes. Okay, then in the 30s, now you're talking, now it's like, now you got your kids involved, and you're like, no, nah, let's, it's like I've got my pawns of war. And then what happens is like, you all of a sudden, it never ends because we're still broken people that has this I have to win mentality. And, and this was why your marriage is hard. Because if you have to win, that means your spouse has to lose, and if the two are one, then you both lose. All right, all right. And so this is why hurt people hurt people. It doesn't, it doesn't like make it okay, right? It just explains it. Hurt people hurt people. That's what they do. Not that you, it's, so it's of course um, your son or your daughter is going to rebel against you. Of course your husband is going to say that thing that was really mean. Of course your wife is not going to be all clappy and happy all the time. Of course all the things you were hoping for aren't going to, turn out expectation-wise in a person because they are hurt people, and hurt people hurt people. Now, Twitch is like, well, that's depressing. But let's, let's, go, let's go here for a second. Verse 9, I want you to see this because it, it gets darker before it gets better, but I, I want you to see there's God's grace in here somewhere. All right? Then the Lord said to Cain, verse 9, where is Abel, your brother? And he said, this is a classic line. I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Now, I want you to see, this is, this is what's so great. Remember when Adam and Eve, uh, they sin, and then they go hide, they put the fig leaves on, and, and God goes, hey, Adam, where you at? And he's like, oh, here, I thought, I thought you'd see me naked. So, you know, he hid because, you know, that's bad. And he's, he's doing the same thing. We repeat the sins of the Father unless we're intentional about it. Do you guys know that? And, and you're like, I'm never going to be like my dad. No, you are. You just have to overcome it. You've got to be intentional about it. You've got to think, what are the things about my dad? No, all those things that you're just like, I'm never going to be like that. You're going to be like that. And, and it's going to be something you have to be intentional about overcoming because that's exact Cain and Abel, both same thing. Here's the sins of the father. Here they come, passed down, generation one. And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to, to receive your brother's blood from your hand. And when you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. So you think about your back, backyard vegetable garden is hard. Anytime he touched it, it was never, ever, ever going to get green. And so he now, in other words, so, so God tells him what his, his role in life will be. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. To which Cain goes, Cain, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, which is very true. He, he's not going to be a farmer anymore. And from your face, I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. And whoever finds me will kill me. Now, 
and this is the part where this is why you listen to Pastor Plex podcast because I don't have time right now to go into how crazy of a statement this is if you really think about it. All right, because remember, we're Adam, Eve, two kids, Cain, Abel. Abel's been, all right, is it that he's worried about Adam and Eve coming to hunt them down? Who, who is it, who's going to come get them? Well, if we're four people in, well, three now, we're three people in. Where, who, who is this? That's why you tune in to Pastor Plex Podcast. That episode will be coming on Tuesday morning. We're looking forward to it. Uh, all right. All right. Then the Lord said to him, not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold, which means that God is going to, whatever person that harms Cain is going to get vengeance. The Lord's going to take vengeance out on them. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Now, real quick on the mark. Uh, back in the 1860s, uh, a lot of like Presbyterian preacher types said the mark was actually what black people are. And that's why they, it, it makes sense for slavery and segregation and, all, and just a bunch of gobbledygook, which is ridiculous. Okay, just in case you were wondering. Uh, you may have heard that somewhere. The mark of Cain is actually a mark of grace. Did you guys know that? Because it was a mark of protection. It has nothing to do with anything about his race or anything. Just that's for free, all right? Uh, It's a mark on Cain, lest anyone who found him should attack him. It is what protects him. That is God's grace on his life. Then Cain went away. From the presence of the Lord and sandal settled in the land of Nod. And land of Nod, that just means wandering, in case you're wondering. East of Eden. Now, I want you to see this. God offers the broken person grace. I need you to see, like, here is, what did Cain deserve? Let's just think about Cain. Like, premeditated murder. Here's the way it went, Right? Um, I'm going to go out and talk with Abel into a field when mom and dad aren't around, and there's the big rock over there, and I'm going to end the comparison issues. Like, when there's no competition, things are pretty simple. I have a monopoly on whatever I offer. It's going to be accepted. And he takes out Abel. And usually, you would say, if you murder somebody, in fact, in Genesis 9, if someone murders somebody then they shall be, their life shall be taken. But here, God does something strange. He gives Cain grace, and then on top of that says, if anyone tries to harm you, like they go past the mark of protection that I put on you, I will bring vengeance on them seven times. So although you are not in the presence of the Lord in, uh, in Eden or just outside of Eden because they got locked out of the garden. Uh, but, you, but you are still protected by God's presence. Isn't that crazy? And, and what I wanted you to see is that that's what God is still doing. Um, a, couple, a couple, almost, gosh, eight, nine months ago, um, a woman walked into uh, our church, uh, Kristen, actually. And uh, Kristen came and I'll never forget she was like hey I'm a single mom and my life's sort of a mess I said hey you're at you're at a great place there's a lot of messy people here (laughs) and I said well you are welcome I think I think that same morning she met Jessica and she ended up going to the Nelson community group uh 
And it, it was awesome. Yeah, go Nelson. Like, if you're in the Nelson community group, you're in a special league of people, so don't everyone get jealous. The comparison issue is murder. It's all bad. All right. <laughs> and so, anyway, but what happens is that over time, Kristen was, felt the love of Jesus in that group and we had a lot of conversations and eventually decided to give her life to Jesus, and she was baptized. And it was an incredible thing that happened six, seven months ago. It was great. And when she got baptized... I found out there was more of the story because her ex-husband came, which is always sort of awkward because you're not really sure if you're like, hey, uh, <laughs> what's going on? So tell me about the relationship. You're like, hey, I, how do you guys know each other? Oh, that's a long story, right? It's like, you just don't know what you're... Uh. So anyway, and, and I turned out and I found out that like, their marriage, they, they had just moved from California, as the rest of you did, and, um, <laughs> and, they, and uh, they got to Texas and... Uh, it, w- the marriage started to break down, and they both had affairs, and it was through just the brokenness of the divorce. In fact, there was a point where, where Chris said, I don't want anyone to do any more counseling. I just want this thing to be over, and then she got her life transformed, and then at that baptism, after that, Brian started coming to our church, yeah. and he rededicated his life to Jesus, and the thing that I've, I've loved about that is, obviously, they're here, right there, like the, right there, yeah. That they're, they have committed to get remarried. They're going to get remarried. Isn't that crazy? They're going to get remarried. Yeah. There's the, there's the marriage announcement. You guys are all invited. All right. And the thing that I wanted you guys to see in, in this grace moment, Kristen said something that I thought was just so powerful um, in the way that she, she viewed the way, her, the way she thought her husband thought about her. And what she said to said in our time accounts, I don't want him to see me as a victim. I don't want him to see all my whole story, because if he were to see my whole story, he might just like feel sorry for me. And I don't want that to be the reason that he's with me. And I wonder, I wonder, if there's a little bit of that in everybody here. I've screwed it up. I don't want you to look at me like a victim. I don't want you to look at me like I don't have it uh, together. And so I'm going to hide that part from people, and I'm going to hide that part from God. And when he offers me grace, I'm going to still be on the deflection of, like, how it wasn't really my fault. And instead of whenever I hear a message, instead of thinking how it's going to impact me, I'm just going to be, like, elbowing my spouse to make sure that they get it. Because here's, here's what I want you to know about God. You know this, and this is just, you know that when people like love you without knowing you, it's all superficial. When someone gets excited about you because they just met you, like, oh, you look like a fun person. I'm so glad to see you. You, you accept that. It's fun. But it, there's no depth there. And, and then the real fear that everybody has is that once they really get to know you and they know the real you, I mean, like the, you know, the skeletons in the closet you, the affair you, then people are going to be like, nah, get out. But the way that I was trying to teach Kristen and Brian to love each other is to love each other in spite of each other. When there's like affairs in the midst of that, that's loving you in spite of you. And everybody has been in a, has an affair when it comes to God. Everybody here is 
is all, has run after the darkness thinking that's going to be the place of your salvation or just maybe a little bit better or at least the pain won't be quite that bad. And what Jesus wants you to know is that, hey, you bring it all to me. And so this morning, um, I, obviously we're celebrating Kristen and Brian and them gonna do, they're going to get married all over again. Uh, but this morning we're going to be baptizing Aaron Swanland. Yeah. Aaron uh, grew up in the church but never got baptized and is a Christ follower in our discipleship group. It's so exciting to see Aaron giving his life to Jesus. And so on this morning, as, as uh, we're going to watch uh, Aaron's video here in a little bit, and he's going to get baptized, but I want to ask you this question. Will you receive grace? Because the only way your brokenness heals, the only way that you get past rejection is when you receive the grace of God. When you realize you've been so accepted by Jesus, you're not worried about being rejected by people. When you're so uh, blessed by Jesus, you stop comparing yourself of what others have or don't have in comparison to you. And you start to love and treat people well because it isn't about winning. Because Jesus already won. And then when it comes to discipline of the Lord, you're not trying to deflect and find a way how it's really not your fault, but just kind of owning like, yeah, I'm broken and this is how the Lord is renewing and revealing and transforming from the inside out. So this morning, will you receive grace? Um, if, if you're not a Christian, here's what that means. It means that you come to believe that Jesus died on the cross for you. He died on the cross for you, for your sin, for your darkness, for the weakness, for all the stuff. And, it, and the prayer goes like this, God, I'm a sinner. I've sinned against you, my thoughts, words, actions, insert the thing. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. I believe you rose to that Holy Spirit. Come into my life and make me the person you want me to be. And it starts there. And that doesn't mean you'll never sin again. What that means is, is you're going to be transformed for the rest of your life. And he's constantly going to be growing you to bring out the darkness, to bring, in, to bring in more light. Now, if you are a Christian and you're like, Chris, I got all that. I got it. I got it. And usually when you're kind of like, just I got, that's for those people. No, no, this is for you. Because what that means is, is that you, you've been so stiff-arming God on the grace, you won't be able to look inside to see the darkness there. Because I'm good. Listen, I'm not asking anybody for anything. Exactly. Jesus is pounding on the door of your heart saying, let me in and let's fellowship and let's do life together. And you're like, nah, it's messy in there. and That's too hard. That's why you don't want to do marriage counseling. It's too hard. I don't want to go up, open up all those old wounds. I mean, it's an infectious scab, but I mean, at least it's not bleeding. You with me? Yeah. So we're going to pray. We're asking to ask God to move, and then we're going to get excited about watching um, this baptism video. Would you guys pray with me? Father, thank you that you are still in the role of transforming hearts from darkness to light. Jesus, uh, there's somebody here I know that um, has been lost in pain and hurt and just making bad decision after bad decision, even after you've told that person, hey, I, I love you. What are you doing? And they've been running and chasing the world. And so, God, I pray that you would bring your grace just fully on their heart, and they would receive it, and they would simply go, God, I'm a sinner. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. 
Jesus, I believe you rose to the Holy Spirit. Make me the person you want me to be. And we would watch in just a moment of your transformation of their life. And Father, for those who have been following you for a while, would you give them hope today? That, that it's okay to not be okay. That the brokenness is something that was the disease that has infected us all and that until you come back, Jesus, we're all going to be struggling. Would you let somebody know that it's okay to be vulnerable and real, that that's the place where real healing takes place. And as we watch uh, Aaron's testimony, maybe somebody is thinking, I should get baptized. And I pray that you would put that on somebody's heart this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. As in just for a second, what would happen if we just, instead of like trying to blame and shift the blame off ourselves for our own brokenness, accepted that's just part of being a human and what what if instead of comparing how everyone else is doing in their brokenness to how you're doing in your brokenness and maybe thinking your ash heap of dust isn't quite as big as somebody else's that we started recognizing that we have been redeemed by the blood of jesus who loved us enough to save us in the midst of our brokenness and imagine instead of rejecting that grace Rejecting even the discipline of the Lord when He convicts your heart and want, just kind of invades your space for a little bit, makes you do some self reflection. Instead of like pushing that off and kind of elbowing the person next to you, you just said, That's me, Jesus. Would you change me from the inside out? I need you. If we did that, it would change you. It would change the way your family interacts, it would change the way this church interacts, it would change the way that city sees God. Would you receive the benediction? Go. Go and be a people who are fully accepted by our God and King. Go and be a people who are vulnerable and not afraid to love one another in spite of all the darkness in your own heart and all that you haven't measured up to. Go and be a people who receive God's grace. Go and be people who push back the darkness and have an awesome week of worship you are sent